What's up, guys, and welcome back to episode two of the Boston Three Party. Uh, a lot has happened since our last episode. There has been game one and game two of the NBA Finals, so we're here to kind of just talk about those games, give our thoughts on it. Uh, so how about let's start with Gio. What did you think about those games? Hey, guys. So uh, beginning with game one, uh, I was really interested in the last podcast to see, you know, how the teams were going to match up and, and how we were going to play. And looking at game one, like after halftime, uh, the Celtics felt pretty good. Uh, we were definitely, it was definitely a good feeling out period, but um, it was, it was definitely overall, I would say pretty solid for the Celtics, like looking at halftime and, you know, being on the road, uh, what we were to expect with our lack of finals experience, which they love to highlight. Um, we were actually looking pretty solid. And then the third quarter hit and went pretty poor. You know, we were down about 15 going into the fourth, but then in the fourth quarter, we had an absolutely historic quarter. Everybody was hitting shots. We started seven for seven from three. It was amazing. And Al Horford show. The Al Horford show, yes. And from there, we really, I think, stunned the Warriors. I don't think they expected all of our supporting cast to shoot as well as they did. And their offense just completely fell apart. And so going into the next game, uh, the Warriors basically and the Celtics had the same thing at halftime. It was about the same score. Um, we got a little bit hot early with Jalen Brown, but then it started to fizzle out a little bit. And then the third quarter, uh, saying it plain and simple, we just got demolished. And going into that fourth quarter, we were expecting some of that magic, but a lot of the supporting cast, like Horford, Smart, and White, were already not playing that well. So going into the fourth, there was nothing really to go off of that and to you know try and repeat that game one performance. And we uh, pulled the plug pretty early. But overall, looking at games one and two as a Celtics fan, still pretty happy about it. You know, any time that you steal a game, uh, steal a road game, and especially in the NBA Finals, is is a great way to go back home. And now we have home court advantage, so we have to see what we're going to do in game three. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely agreeing that, like, going into the series, like, my mindset was if we can steal one in Golden State, that's a huge win in, you know, I think the Celtics book. I think I got a little bit ambitious after game one, and I was like, oh, I think we can steal game two also. And uh, like Gio said, in the first half, it looked promising. In the first half of both games, they really competed and played well. And Gio touched upon it. Like, the third quarter, I remember back on the Lovecast, I talked about Boston's third quarters back in the Milwaukee series. And uh, here we are. They're still coming out in the third quarter and getting outscored and playing terrible. Um, I mean, like you said, uh, it's been really bad thus far for the Celtics um, these past two games. Uh, the first or game one, obviously, was a crazy performance by Al, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, just overall, uh, a really good performance across the board, except for um, I, I talked about it last podcast. Wanted to see how finals Jason Tatum would play. And he came out really bad the first game, uh, dropped 12 points off of, let's see, three for 17 shooting. Um, which is a one seven six field goal percentage, which is atrocious. Um, <clears throat> I mean, game two was a little different. Um, dropped twenty eight as the go to guy for the Celtics, in my opinion, and the guy that I think will be the separating, you know, factor for the finals in terms of if the Celtics are going to win or not. Like he needs to perform. That can never happen again. You know, this that can't happen mm-hmm. again. This finals. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not an NBA basketball player, so I. You know, I don't know everything, but uh, 
I think that a lot of things need to change for him, especially the, the, I don't know, a lot of the shots he was taking in game one just, just didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Uh, forcing up a lot of stuff, especially uh, in the third quarter. I, I don't know. I just, Jason Tatum needs to perform better. Um, mm. He needs to shoot the ball better. Uh, I think his supporting cast is really doing their best out there, in my opinion, especially, you know, Derek, guys like Derek White, Al Horford. They're really, I think they're, those, those guys are really showing that they want to ring. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Jason Tatum doesn't want to ring. I just think that a lot mm-hmm. of things need to change these next five games. I mean, in all honesty, I think it'll probably go seven now um, yeah. with the way things are going. I, I, I'm interested to see on how, how home court's going to work for us. I don't know how the Warriors really take take or take or to that. I haven't really watched the Warriors a lot this season. Um, game one against the Warriors, I, don't, I didn't see their crowd really having a big effect on us. Yeah. Um, I don't really see that playing any uh, i don't know home court advantage to me this series doesn't seem like it's going to matter much uh, for both teams i think that both teams are going to show up no matter what uh, mm-hmm. both nights yeah you brought up jason tatum i want to get your guys's perspective on something because me personally i'm not a big plus minus guy i don't usually like people try to use plus minus stats as like this player played well this player didn't play well but when i see after the game that jason tatum's plus minus was a minus 36 and you yeah. can credit that to the fact that they got blown out. But when you look at every other player on the team, like Jalen Browns was like not that high at all. Really, I I don't have the uh, box score in front of me. I can try to pull it up. But like, it's interesting because yeah, I mean, obviously in a win, he in game one he had a plus sixteen plus minus. Um, but obviously we won. I just pulled it up. J- Jason Tatum yeah. minus thirty six game two. Jalen Brown only minus ten. Uh, Marcus Smart minus twelve, Robert Williams minus six. So obviously, we're all going to be in the minus because we we lost by a lot. But I mean, minus thirty six is like way worse than any of those other guys that are out there. So especially like, for I don't a star know. player, I don't. It's interesting to see uh, how that works. Um, but you know, like I said, and like you know, we're going to talk about more. Uh, Tatum just he's got to he's got to be that you know all those texts he's been sending to Kobe I don't want to be mean but yeah. you know, all those texts he's been sending to Kobe he's really got to back it up because you know yeah. he, he's got to have that mamba in him G, are you a big up. believer in uh plus minus stats or you do not really pay attention to um, those you know people do talk about it a good amount and I don't think it plays there's so many other factors that play into it like other people that you're passing to could just not be on their day and that could Imagine if Jordan minus. had a plus minus. Back in the day, I don't even know if that was a thing. Yeah. I don't even know. Like Kareem, <laughs> if he had a plus minus, like. Yeah, I'm not minus. sure. But I would numbers. say negative 36. I think that's enough to a point where when he was mm-hmm. on the court, it wasn't just the outside factors. Like it was a little bit of him. Not that he was taking bad shots, but yeah. maybe he just could have done a little bit more, whether he was getting exploited defensively or wasn't carrying enough offensively because he had only three assists in game two. In game one, he had 13. That all like partially it's people not hitting their shots, but also sometimes because the Celtics offense can get so stagnant, we need some type of playmaker. And when Smart isn't on his day and mm-hmm. Brown maybe isn't feeling it too much, Tatum does have to kind of play that natural playmaker. And even though he isn't that, that's what the team is going to demand of him in order to win. So I think that that played a um, his lack there of, of doing that played a factor into his poor plus minus. Yeah. Uh, talking about, you know, Jason Tatum and calling out the stars on the Celtics. I, I don't know if you guys see it too, but I feel like when I watch Jalen Brown play, it's either, okay, he's going to hit four or five shots in a row and literally not miss, 
or he's just like not going to be able to buy a basket. Like in the first half of game two, he looked like Michael Jordan in the first quarter. And I feel like the rest mm-hmm. of the game, he did practically nothing. Like, yeah, he can't continue to do that. And then the Celtics expect to win because he's, in my opinion, as important as Jason Tatum. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, shooters get into slumps. Um, I think that in terms of, you know, X factors for a team, you can, I think you can consider Jalen Brown kind of like a Clay Thompson X factor. If he's on, he's off, you know, like, and if he's off, he's off. He's not going to hit a shot. Like, it's it's tough, but I think that if Jalen Brown can kind of get that, get past that trying to force up a jump shot and try to get a rhythm going and just use his natural athleticism, take it to the basket, I think it was, uh, I want to say game one where he had, or no, was it game one that he had that really good dunk or is that game seven of the, against the Bucks? I don't know. But there, one of those games, he, he really kind of started taking it to the rack instead of, you know, trying to force up some threes and just, I mean, obviously his mid-range jumpers, I'll never question a pull-up mid-range jumper from Jalen Brown because it just looks really good sometimes. But, you know, other times I think there's a couple shots, other shots he can take, look for other options. And I I think that, you know, I mean, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both need to kind of open their eyes and realize that if those shots aren't falling, they they both have to be playmakers. And I think they can. I think they have that natural talent of being a playmaker um, just from – being superstar basketball players. And I think that if they can really step up into that role and realize that they have other people around them, they have guys like Derek White. I mean, they obviously they do, but, you know, I think they can put a lot more faith into them um, in terms of, you know, if they're having an off night, like, you know, Tatum had 13 assists in the first game, but I still think that a lot more can happen with that. If he, if he kind of realizes, Hey, you know, let me, let me slow down real quick and let me open up the floor for everyone. Cause you know, that also opens up it for him because if he can if he can start getting everybody else involved, they're going to start, you know, sending double teams somewhere else or focusing somewhere else, and that leaves Tatum open. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and the same thing goes for Jalen Brown. I think it kind of goes both ways. Um, but I think more Jason Tatum than anything, but Jalen Brown, I think – I play. he just needs to control the ball. Um, yeah, the control the ball better. Man. Averages three turnovers a game in the playoffs yeah. or overall, which is – the or actually, no, I'm sorry, t- Tatum has the averages the most turnovers out of everyone on the team with four, but not still, surprised, yeah. sometimes Jalen Brown seems like he's just kind of slamming the, the ball on the ground, and mm-hmm. he, he's just kind of leaving it for his defenders there to take. To yeah, take, no, I do agree, and I would say that the biggest thing for Tatum and Brown to work on is, you know, they're going to shoot the ball a lot. That that's just how the Celtics offense works. They're the stars, but I think we just they just really have to focus on their shot selection, and they're both with a lot of the shots that they take, they're able to make, but they can take such easier shots if they were able to like work in the offense a little bit more. And, um, and then I think from there, maybe their field goal percentage will go up a little bit. And then once they see a couple shots go in, then I think the whole Celtics offense can, can really get not to the fourth quarter level in game one, because that's unrealistic, but just to a consistent level, because I think that's one of the biggest problems with the Celtics offense is that, it can look really good when Tatum and Brown are firing, but when they're not, I the offense is one of the most stagnant things I've seen. It's like a high school basketball team. Like, it's your turn. Yeah. And you cannot have that against a Warriors team yeah. that plays cohesive team basketball the whole time. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, quickly switching over to the Warriors, your point about the fourth quarter is I also don't think that the Warriors are going to only score 16 points in a quarter for the rest of the series. That was just like... I, I don't know what got into them, but that's just not going to happen again. They got way too much of an offensive firepower. 
and Curry and all those other guys to, to have such a crappy quarter like that. Clay Thompson playing as bad as he is and the Warriors still like basically being in the games and obviously like blowing us out in game two with Clay Thompson playing as bad as he is. Like that's a little bit concerning for me because I think one of us had Clay, I think Tori had Clay Thompson as the X factor in the last video we did. Mm-hmm. And he's playing crappy and the Warriors seem to be doing like, you know, just fine without him, to be honest. So that's a little bit scary to me, but. Um, <clears throat> I think, I don't know, Jordan Poole is now, in my opinion, kind of taking that role at the second splash brother from Clay. I think Clay's time is over, surprisingly. Um, I said last video that he was the X Factor, and I think that he can be. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I he's not the same. And I don't think he'll ever be the same. It's, you know, Achilles injuries, and he tore his Achilles and his ACL back to back. I mean, that's just, that's, that's really hard to come back from, especially for a guy who relies a lot on his jump shooting. Yeah. He's got to jump with was, that foot. He's got to push up with that Achilles, you know? Was that the times. same leg also? I don't know. Does anyone know if it was it pro- the same leg? It might, it might have been. And if it was, that's terrible. Like <laughs> going yeah. through an ACL and then like, an Achilles injury is even worse than an ACL. And he did yeah. that when he came back from the Achilles injury. So, yeah. Well, you just, hear it all the time. Coaches are like, oh, you're getting no lift on your jumper. Are you not using your legs on your jumper? So, when you have a dead leg, like Clay basically does at this yeah. point, it's like, mm-hmm. it obviously, people don't think it's going to affect his jumper, but clearly it has. So, Clay's jumper is all one, like, it's, it's just a super smooth motion. Like, the reason why, obviously, we know the reason why his jumpers go down is because he's so consistent with it, you know? He's so mm-hmm. consistent with his form. He, he, I mean, that game where he scored, I think it was, he took like seven dribbles and scored like 50 points or something like that. That's yeah, like, I that's cool. That. I've, I've always been, a, I mean, I, I would say I've been a Clay Thompson fan just because of how great, I mean, as a kid, I would say I was definitely more Clay Thompson fan than Steph yeah. Curry. Oh, I loved Clay. I think Clay is just more respectable. You know, he's more, he's, he's a guy, he's that, uh, he's an elite shooter, but he's not an unrealistic shooter. You know, he's not teaching yeah. kids to go half court. Super fundamental, yeah. Yeah, super fundamental. And it's, I mean, I've never seen anything like that or heard anything like somebody not taking seven, you know, taking only seven dribbles and scoring up, upwards to 50 points. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah, that's just unheard of. That's, that's, that's unheard of, but you know, he can, I think that for the Warriors, uh, like I said, Jordan Poole, there was one shot he hit or that buzzer beater going into oh, the fourth. That was, that was like a green, that was like a green beam from 2k. That was like, ah, it just looked good when he put it up. I was like, ah, oh. Like he didn't even, he didn't even just like dribble into it. Like he does, like he did, like he a step straight back up, between, yeah. like, and I don't even, yeah, that was just. I dribbled, saw, so it was. Gonna, it looked like a normal shot from from where he was standing. It looked like he was like confident pulling that. Yeah, I mean, he, I don't know. He, he was. He made it. So yeah, I don't know if you guys have anything good. to say about the fourth quarter of game two. I'm just gonna be completely honest and upfront and say after Jordan Poole hit that third quarter buzzer beater, I just stopped watching the game. So anything that happened in the fourth quarter of game two, I'm going to have no clue because I just didn't watch it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I stuck around for Nick Stauskas hitting a three, but other than that. Uh, that's big, yeah. That was, that was it. I was like, hey, give, give Stauskas some more minutes. But. Um, so overall with the Warriors' performance, it's weird. Game one and game two have really looked very similar overall, I would say. Like looking yeah. at it from a grand scheme of things, with the first half looking relatively even, third quarter being all Warriors. And the fourth quarter, one time being historical performance by the Celtics in game two. That is true. Not that. And then they pull the plug a minute into the fourth quarter, taking yeah. out the starters. So, and then looking at Clay, it's really, it's really weird to look at. Uh, I don't know really what to make of it because a lot of the shots, some of the shots that he takes, like some of the threes, those are shots that he would make normally. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of the mid ranges that he takes sometimes like, okay, that's a bit of a pull. I don't know if that was the best shot selection, but definitely through his game two performance. And they had him in, in the fourth quarter a lot to try and get a bit of a rhythm, but he still really wasn't able to, to even get that. So going into game three and game four, I think he'll turn it up. He has what it takes. He has the finals experience and looking at how the playoffs have gone for him so far, he started out cold in a lot of the series. So, mm-hmm. and, and eventually you're going to have game six clay come up at some point. So I'm really not too worried in his performance. What I'm really worried about is when clay starts to shoot a little bit better, how much better is that going to make the warriors? Yeah. Because I, I don't know if that's going to make them untouchable or, or near that, that I'm really not sure. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned that like a lot of the shots that he's missing, they're not, especially the threes, they're not bad shots. And they're honestly, particularly open shots, which is why I'm nervous. Cause I'm like, he's been a shooter in the league for at this point, I think 10 plus years, like he's going to start making those. It's not like he's taking contested shots. It's not like his three point attempts are getting blocked by the Celtics. Like he's getting open looks and he's just clanking them. So like, like you mentioned, like eventually those are going to fall. And when that does happen, doors open for other guys. They're going to have to guard him even tighter than they already are. And it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, just the offensive weapons that you have to deal with at that point is going to be a big test for the Celtics. So, yeah. One Um, thing I'll say that's a bit controversial maybe is that I have more faith in clay throughout the rest of the series than Jordan Poole. Cause I would say Jordan Poole didn't even have a good first half of game two. He got blocked multiple times going to the rim and he had a hot third quarter and a bit in the fourth, but I still think he's young and he has a good amount to learn. So I think his, his games may be a little bit um, hot here and cold here, but I believe clay is a bit more consistent and you'll see that in the rest of the series. That's my thoughts. Yeah. I don't think that's really a hot take either. I kind of like, I'll take the experience of clay over, you know, you know, Jordan Poole is his first time in the finals, like you mentioned. I feel like a lot of times he almost looks out of control. Like he's one of those players, and I, I think Jordan Poole is a great player, but I think he's one of those players where he makes a play and you either go, what the heck was that? Or you go, damn, that was crazy. That's a highlight play. And it's like one of the two. And I, I feel like yeah. he doesn't really look in control a lot. I know TH is a big Jordan Poole guy, so I'll let him uh, quickly talk about Jordan Poole for a second here. Uh, no, I mean, I, I definitely think that um... – like Gio said, he's got a lot to improve on. Um, but I would say, I don't know, I, I, in my opinion, I would take the young pool over Clay just for the fact of the matter is that how long can Clay go? It's been pretty, it's, it's pretty, and it's the end of the season. We mm-hmm. play, they played a lot of games. I know that he's, I, I honestly, he hasn't sat a lot. He's played a lot this year, um, <clears throat> returning from injury, but he's an old guy. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I think that with what we saw these first two games, Obviously, I think there's a chance of him, you know, sparking, and there's always a chance for that with him. Um, but in my opinion, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like Poole is going to give them those those shots, um, those crazy shots. We're like, what the heck? Like, how did that go down? You know yep. what I mean, like, he, he's he's meant for those. Um, but at the same time, he's a really good facilitator. He's a really good shot creator. Um, and I mean, we, the, the Celtics do have to take note of him when he's on the floor. You know, he's. You can't leave him open. He's kind of like that, that a, a Curry type where you, you know you got to play over that screen. You got to get over and you got to put a hand up because if you don't, yep. he's making. You know what I mean? So that's my thoughts on how I think Jordan Poole will affect, it, especially with the screens and how much how much the Golden State Warriors are taking advantage of moving picks with Draymond Green, 
moving screens with everyone on their team. It's ridiculous at this point. I don't get it. I mean, it's a different league than it was before, I understand, but some of the stuff that, he, that Draymond's getting away with is just atrocious. Like, I, I just, yeah. he should have had at least one T on Grant Williams. He should have two at this point throughout the, throughout the past two games. He should have yeah. two technicals. Well, but, the, you know. we, can, we can quickly talk about the uh, Jalen Brown play because I think that was a big one yeah. that was going around. That one, that, he, one, he, that one should have been sent to like the, that should have been reviewed because that we all saw, he did pull his pants down. Yeah, like, that which was, was weird. Like, or tried, which was just like, that's just nowadays that, that a lot of people take that really seriously. And I think that they should really, I don't know. I just, if they're going to be fair, they're going to be fair well, and they're going to be, you know, right. They should it was, look at it again. But it was interesting to me because they did review it. And I forget the guy's name that they always call on to like, I Steve Javi is the name that comes to mind, but that could just be the complete wrong person. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. But they, they called him on and, and he was talking about the play and he was like, the, I think one of the announcers, I forget which one, was like, well, are the announcers taking into consideration that Draymond Green already has a technical? Because at this point, he did get a technical when he was kind of like scuffling with uh, Grant Williams, I think. And the the uh, professional, whatever, ref, whatever he is, was like, yeah, I know they definitely take that into account uh, because like if he gets his second technical, he's out of the game, which I think is kind of stupid that they take into Like yeah. it's not the ref's fault that he already got a technical earlier in the game. That's his own fault. You know, mm-hmm. so I thought it was kind of weird that they were basically the NBA was basically admitting that when a guy has one technical and he does something else that they're reviewing, they take that into the account before like handing out a second technical. Yeah, I think it was very interesting that whole situation, something that I hadn't really seen before and how that how they were able to officiate that. I don't think they officiated it incorrectly because I don't think that it was enough to kick him out of a game. Mm-hmm. But it, it was near. It was near a technical, a technical foul, and one. I think the most important part of what happened there is that I think the referees and the NBA in general are going to become more aware going into Game Three and Game Four, and yeah. let Draymond know and everybody know whether that's going to slide or not, and they're going to roll with that. You know, I have one tech, so I can get away with more now. You know, exactly. I think they should just let them know beforehand whether that's mm-hmm. going to be the case or not. So that if it gets to that point again and, and a Jalen Brown thing type type of uh, situation happens, they kick him out and they've told him before that they're yeah, not going to go easy. Warning. I think that's how it should go. Yeah. No, yeah, because I saw somebody uh, say something about how they, they have a theory that Draymond Green purposely gets a technical early in the fourth quarter or early in the first quarter so that the rest of the game he can play his like kind of like tough grit type of basketball because he knows they're not going to kick him out for doing like you know, tic-tac stupid stuff that they might get him for a cheap technical on. Uh, I think that's true. I think, NBA, I think, player, I think true. NBA players, I think NBA players have mastered the ways of playing dirty, but in a respectful way mm-hmm. and, and to, to an extent or they can really get, they can get away with it and they know how they're clever with, with what they're doing, especially Draymond Green. I, I, yeah. I just, yeah, I, you got to give him his credit for that, but it's, it's just for, as a fan watching him, he gets under my skin. You know? Oh, I agree. I agree. I think it's an exploitation of the rule, but I'm very interested to see whether they're going to change that that rule that they have in place with how they were officiating it going into the rest of the series, or maybe for next year. Mm-hmm. But if, but I really think it should be for the rest of this series because it does give a little bit of an unfair advantage to that player. Yeah, I mean, I, but I think that this too puts into question, I guess, like the mental toughness of the Celtics, like. You have a guy similar to Marcus Smart, where like I we know for a fact that anybody outside of 
being a Boston Celtics fan, absolutely hates Marcus Smart. So, like, I think it's similar to that where, you know, Draymond Green, the, he'll do stuff to get under the player's skin. He'll try to, like, you know, throw somebody off their game. So now it's up to the Celtics to be like, all right, now we're not going to let you kind of control the emotions of the game and get under our skin and, you know, make us start to play bad. I agree. I agree. I think that with Draymond and how he he really does help fuel the Warriors through his ability to get under the other team's skin. And honestly, looking at game two, I don't think he got under the Celtics skin too much. I think it was just an off night overall by a lot of the players uh, individually. But I will say that the impact that Draymond and his antics have on the Warriors is very big. It's very big. And without him, like if they were to knock him out of the game and he got that second tech, mm-hmm. it would definitely change the outlook of the game because they have nobody to replace him. Nobody even close. Uh, they, they fuel off of that because not only does he have insane chemistry with Steph and Clay and getting them the open shots that they need, but he also plays really good defense for them and honestly is like the glue. He's the same. He had to, has the same responsibility as Marcus Smart to, to the Celtics. Yep. I agree. So we talked about, you know, game one and game two, I think at length. Um, so I think we should probably try to do like a game three prediction, say like who we think is going to win, maybe like what we think is going to happen, who's going to play well, something like that. So uh, I guess we want to start off with Tori. What do you think uh, is your prediction for game three? What do you think is going to happen here? You know, I think the first game in Boston in the series, I think it's going to go in our favor for sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, obviously the last game, we don't really, I, I don't think we necessarily have momentum on our side, but we know what we did wrong. Our shots didn't fall and Emay realized it. And he pulled he pulled everyone before the fourth quarter could even start. Um, so I, I think that things will be different. Um, I think, I think Jalen Brown's shots will fall a lot more. I think Tatum's shots will fall a lot more. Um, I think overall, I feel like it's going to click for him. I, I mean, I hope it does. That's my hope. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in game three um, when it really clicks for, for Tatum and Brown. And I, I would think, I would think for everyone, honestly, you know, I don't, I don't, a lot of those guys, they haven't been to the stage. Um, this is the first time Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum have ever been to the finals. This is the first time Marcus Smart's ever been to the finals. The first time, I think this is the first time for everyone. Yeah, everyone. Al, everyone. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think Al's ever gone to the finals and, you know, we're playing against the Warriors team that has had the best record ever. Yeah, history and the prime players are still on that team. I wouldn't say they're the same. I wouldn't say Clay and, and Draymond are the same, but Curry is just about the same, if not better. Um, so, I think that uh, with with that in mind, I think that the Celtics are really, really going to take that into account, in my opinion. And I think, I think it's going to be a motivational factor for sure. I think it's going to yep. be something that'll help them. I uh, think it'll be a game three dub. Something else. Yeah, I also think the Celtics. Uh, I mean, I hope the Celtics win game three. I think they will. Um, because the other thing that you got to think about too is, all right, now we're back in Boston and the finals haven't been in Boston in 12 years now, I think something like that. So like, you know, the stadium rocking. rocking. Yeah. We know what Celtics <laughs> fans are like. So I think it's going to be absolutely insane. And I honestly think like, I, this is a really big game and we've seen like Jason Tatum, he has struggled, but he does show up in big games. I got to give that to him for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I think we see a great game from Jason Tatum. One thing that I forgot to mention earlier as well is we saw in game two a little moment there where uh, Ime got a technical, which I've never, I've never really seen him, uh, you know, very animated or anything like that. But I think that just – that was – I think he did an uh, interview afterwards 
basically confirming like, yeah, that was me showing that I'm going to fight for these guys and I'm on their side and I'm not going to like just sit down and fold. So I think, you know, he may show that he's intense and he's got the guys back. I think they're going to be ready to play in front of the Boston fans. Um, you know, Curry's going to do his thing. Maybe we see a little bit better of an output from clay. Maybe Draymond gets another tech or whatever, but I think like we're going to see smart play a little better. He's struggling game two. I think he'll have his typical, you know, three threes and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think we're going to see a Celtics dub in game three. Yeah, I agree. I agree with both you guys. I think the Celtics are also going to win. And I think one key factor is that throughout these playoffs, we haven't won. We haven't lost two games in a row. So I don't think that is going to end uh, tomorrow night. And I also would say that Tatum usually does show up in most key games and just reiterating the fact that Boston's going to be rocking. So they hit one, three crowd is going crazy. They're going to have all the momentum and all the support that they need going back to Boston. So I, I have full faith that they'll be able to, um, to get a win in this game three, which is going to be pretty important and determined part of the way the rest of the series is going to go. All right. Well, uh, we're going to be back. We're going to be coming back with uh, our top five players in the series. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the uh, Boston three party here with uh, Philly and Gio talking about our uh, top fives for the finals. So I'll, I'll go first. Um, you know, a lot of our top threes are very similar. Uh, I had, you know, Curry, Jalen Brown, and I was the one person who had Tatum out of the top four or the top three. Sorry. Um, I had Horford over him impact or impact wise these past two games I had Tatum at four and then uh, Draymond Green at five. Uh, I'll shoot my list out next for my top five. Uh, like Corey said, the top three ish are usually all similar. Obviously I have Curry at one. I have Tatum at two, Brown at three, Wiggins at four and Clay at five. And for my top five, I have Steph Curry at one, Tatum at two, Brown at three, Horford at four, and then Clay at five. I think we need to start this out with uh, Tori explaining his Jason Tatum at four. Ah, uh, yes. <clears throat> uh, all right. So let me get into this. Or even Sorry. your Horford so, at three, too, you know? Well, yeah, you know, Horford at three and Tatum at four, they go hand in hand. Um, I put Horford at three specifically because of the impact he's had these past two games and just kind of overall, he's like that. He's like the, I don't know, he feels like the father of the team, you know what I mean? Like, he's like that guy that, you know, Tatum will look to when he's down. Brown will look to when he's down, you know what I mean? And in Horford, at his age, hits those really big shots. He hits those three balls that, you know, he's hitting three balls that are clipped way better than Jason Tatum right now. Um, you know, obviously, you know, they take a lot of a different range of three-pointers, obviously. You know, Tatum's a few goal attempts are a lot higher. Um, but at the same time, I, I still have my three just because, you know, game one, Jaylen, sorry, Jason Tatum's uh, performance was atrocious. Um, and then in game two, he had a plus minus, at a, or we talked about earlier, negative 36. It's, it's abysmal. And, um, you know, I think that in my opinion, I think Tatum would be my number two guy if he was performing like he was against Milwaukee, uh, if, he, if he was playing like he was against Miami. Um, but it's 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 different. Uh, it's it obviously you know playing against the Warriors is a different type of type of game. You know they're really tr they're really trying to attack him um, defensively, but you know Tatum's got to respond. And I think that you know if if he does respond, he he won't be that number four for me anymore. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know that's that's 
that's the reason why I think that why I have Tatum at four for me. But yeah, what do you guys, what do you guys I, think? I can see where you're coming from with having Tatum at four, but I think we all know that, like, I you know, I, I he has been playing, I guess, not to standards. He did have 28 last game, shot a little bit better, but I think if we're gonna like if. If Tatum plays out of his mind the rest of the series, I think it's a lock for the the Celtics. If Horford plays really well the rest of the series, I can see a way that the Warriors kind of are able to combat that and and still come out with some some wins. And the other thing too is like just ceiling wise, like Tatum can go out there and we can very well see him have a fifty point game, which just completely shifts the game. I think that game one performance from Al was practically peak Horford. I don't know if we're going to see him hitch like six threes again. I don't know if we're going to see him have 25. Like, so that's why I'm, I was hesitant to have Horford because he, like he played the best game that we're going to probably see from him for the whole entire finals. And it was just enough to get the Celtics passed. But I think if we see a game where t- like game six of Milwaukee, we see a game where Jason Tatum completely just takes it over. Like, I think that in my opinion is more game changing than when Horford plays well. Yeah, no, I completely um, so agree. Yeah. Yeah. So for my reasoning as to why I put Horford in my top five is because game one, I, I count that as a bit of an anomaly. I don't see that happening again. I'm shooting that well. That mm-hmm. just, you know, that happens sometimes. You just, you're just on your day. But I'm more frustrated with the way that game two went because he's better than that. We all know that he's better than that. And he particularly frustrated me during the game because the Warriors are switching all the time. And there were moments where he would have Curry on him. And I think he turned the ball over in the time that he did, or he took a bad shot. But I think that he's good enough to where he can exploit that matchup. And I think that can sometimes be necessary to alleviate the the pressure that's on Jalen and, and Tatum to create. Horford, can, I believe, can create his own shot in the post when he has a good matchup. And I think that's very necessary for us in the future and for the rest of the series. So that's why I put Horford in my top five. Yeah, no, establishing uh, ourselves in the post is definitely going to be big because then, like, you have to focus on the post and then it opens up, you know, outside shooting. So I think that's a great point. Um, I wanted to touch on a guy that I don't think was in either of your guys' top five. I have him at four, uh, Andrew Wiggins. I think for me, I don't know if I just have a soft spot for Andrew Wiggins, but I thought, I mean, game one, he had 20 points, played really well. Um, I wouldn't say he's like primarily defending on Tatum, but I think he is like on most possessions he is on Tatum. And I mean, we're sitting here talking about Tatum not having a great first two games. Tory had him at four on the best player in the series or the most important, I guess, player in the series. Um, and I think that does have something to do with the way that Wiggins has been playing on him. Uh, you know, he has great length. He's super athletic. He's one of those guys where he can have a poster dunk and we've seen that like a poster dunk or a highlight play like that is something that can like catapult your team and give you some momentum. Um, He has struggled a bit shooting, which I think, you know, if he, but if he like does a little bit better with that, I think he can bring his stats up uh, offensively and defensively. Clearly he's doing a good job on Tatum. Uh, The other thing with Wiggins too, is I think like we've seen Clay struggle And really, like, he's been the second scorer to Curry. Nobody's even close to Curry. Obviously, he's averaging, like, over 30 points. Um, But, like, we saw, like I said, Wiggins had 20 in game one. So, like, he can kind of show he can be that second scorer for the Warriors. And I think if he continues to do that, he'll be pretty special for this team. Um, You know, I I would say, like, I completely agree with you uh, that the is there for sure. 
Um, he's one of those guys for the Warriors that can, you know, have those highlight plays that will bring that momentum to catapult the Warriors forward over the Celtics. Um, that's a scary thing uh, for, uh, as a Celtics fan because uh, we all know that Andrew Wiggins has, like, he's got, like, unlimited bounce. Like, that dude can jump out the gym. Like, yeah. he's he's been like that since he was drafted in the league. So, um, and especially with, you know, uh, our Rob, Rob Will being hurt, uh, or not, not necessarily being exactly hurt, but being banged up with his knees and everything. Um, I think that kind of opens up opportunities for Williams to t- attack the basket because uh, we all know Horford's a good defender, but he's not as good of a defender as Robert Williams, in my opinion. And when Robert Williams is on the, f- or on the court, it basically eliminates the, or I wouldn't say eliminates the paint, but some of those, some of those lanes that they would, that the Warriors would normally take, they wouldn't take if he's on the, on the court, you know? So, yep. you know, at, uh, Andrew Wiggins can definitely, I feel like, attack that. No, I agree. I agree. And, I mean, we saw that in game two when Robert Williams blocked Andrew Wiggins when he was going to the cup. Like, he does have that presence, and whether he's healthy or not, I think is going to play a good amount of a factor into how well Wiggins is going to perform. And I would say, looking at Wiggins, I think he's important, but I didn't put him in my top five because I'm more scared of Clay. And Clay hasn't yeah. performed the best, but if Clay is on, I mean, he could put up 30 just like that. And Wiggins, his first two games, they've been solid so far, especially on the defensive end. But I feel like he's been kind of quiet. And I, him scoring 30, I feel, is not going to have as big of an impact as Clay's 30. Because when Clay scores, the whole team around him, not only does he attract a lot, but then the whole team just gets revived. I mean, you saw when Jordan Poole started hitting shots, like everybody just starts going crazy. So I, that's why I put clay in my top five, because if he starts getting going, I think that's infectious for the whole team. And although Wiggins is going to play an important factor, I, I just am a bit more scared of clay. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with you on that because actually I, I mean, I did have Wiggins at four, but I also had clay at five and literally for the exact reason that you just pointed out, like we can see game six, clay, we can see clay. He's the type of dude that I wouldn't be surprised if he had 15 points in a span of two minutes, which is like, there's really, other than him and Curry, there's really nobody else that can do that. Um, So obviously like clay hasn't been playing that well. And if you're, if you're a guy that like doesn't know basketball and has never seen a game of basketball, but you watch these two games, you'd, you'd watch them be like, ah, clay's not that good. You know, but with us knowing what Clay can do and how skilled he is as a shooter and as an offensive weapon, I agree that like I am scared of Clay, and I think that he could easily, absolutely destroy us with his offense. And uh, so yeah, that's why I had Clay at five, and I was torn between like Clay, Draymond, a guy like you know, even like a Marcus Smart. All those guys are very impactful, but no, like Gio said, Clay's uh, Clay's potential is just is I think more than any of those other guys. So. Yeah, and then we can also shed a little bit of light. We all have Jalen Brown in our top five, correct? Yep, I got him at three. Yep, I got him at three two. as well. Okay. Two yeah, so why do you put well, him at two? We both have him at three. Well, I had him at two because I – well, in my opinion, if Jason Tatum was on like he is normally, he would be two for me and Jalen Brown would be three. But I think in the absence of Jason Tatum's play, especially in game one, I think Jalen Brown stepped up. And was that show that he was that he can be that other guy, you know, I mean, obviously as Celtics fans, we think that he can be that other guy, but 
you know, guys like Stephen A. Smith and Colin Howard and stuff like that, people that, that live in L.A. or I don't think they have a lot of faith in Jalen Brown being that second uh, scoring guy. I think that he really showed to a lot of people, a lot of his doubters, that he can be that guy. Um, mm-hmm. But that's why I have him at two, uh, just because I think that, you know, his impact can be just as important, if not is more important. No, I wouldn't say more important, but equally as important as Jason Tatum's. Um, you know, we, we feel it just as much, you know, when Jalen Brown's off, uh, Jason Tatum may come up or may step up and stuff like that, like Jalen Brown does, but we feel it just as, you know, we, 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 we burn if Jalen Brown is scoring. So I agree. I agree. He just well, doesn't get as much of the light that Tatum does, but he has the same burden. Yeah. yeah like us as, us as, as Celtics fans, we probably watch, I don't know about you guys, but I definitely watch a lot of the regular season games. And like Tori said, like Jason Tatum's kind of looked at as like that alpha, but like watching the games, like if Jalen Brown has a better game than Jason Tatum, like that comes as no surprise to me. Like, you know, so I don't think the media really sees it. I, I personally view the duo of, of Tatum and Brown as more of a one, a one B rather than an alpha. And then a guy who's kind of just like, all right, he may have a good game here and there. Like Jalen Brown is that guy in my opinion. And that's mm-hmm. just not me being, a biased Celtics fan. Um, so, like I said, like, if we have a, a couple games in this series where it's not Jason Tatum that helps us win the game, but it's Jalen Brown, like, I would not be surprised at all. And I think he has an opportunity because uh, Tori mentioned that, you know, the, the Stephen A's of the world and all the other guys don't really give Jalen Brown his respect. I think he has an opportunity in the finals of these next couple games to really show that, like, he is on that level and he can be looked at as a star. So... Can you guys can you guys name four current NBA players at shooting guard that are better than Jalen Brown? It's so hard because of injuries. Like I know, like I like Beal. I put could Beal you there, Beal? But he was yeah. So could you put? Would you put Chris Middleton over Jalen Brown? Oh, that's tough. What about Zach? Guys like Zach Levine. You know what I mean? I, I what what I'm getting <sighs> out of this is I think that there it's isn't so a lot of players. There isn't. There aren't a lot of play, shooting guards in the league that are better than Jalen Brown. Like maybe yeah. they can do maybe they can do the same thing, but I think that honestly, Jalen Brown's defense a lot of a lot of two guards, you know the guys like Zach Levine they don't bring that defense. You know they have that explosiveness yeah. and that offensive scoring, but Jalen Brown is, in my opinion, one of the most complete two guards in the East and probably in the entire league. But one I of agree. The most complete. I completely agree, and I think that we as Celtics fans know that. But here in the NBA Finals is the stage where he gets to show it to the rest of the Prove NBA it. in the yeah. world mm-hmm. that he is a top shooting guard in the NBA. Yeah. I think a lot of other like top shooting guards, like you look at like a Devin Booker, or a Donovan Mitchell, those are just guys that have come to mind. Like they are the guys that they're the Jason Tatum of their teams, you know, and for, for Jalen Brown to be as good as he is to put up the stats that he does with having a guy that is first team all NBA looked at as one of the top players in the league. And he's, and he's still doing it behind him. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that if, like, Jalen Brown – not that I want him to because I, I want him on the Celtics. I want him and Tatum to be teamed up. But, like, if you put Jalen Brown on another team and it's his team and he can go out there and be the main guy, I honestly think we would be looking at him as one of the top shooting guards, if not the top shooting guard. On, you put like, Jalen Brown on the Nuggets? You put Jalen Brown on the Nuggets, and I think they're oh, the one seed in the West, in my opinion. And Jamal yeah. Murray, if Jamal Murray's not hurt. I forgot about Jamal. Because yeah, he, he hasn't exactly. come back from that ACL, yeah. yeah. I, I, I just – I feel like Jalen Brown's one of those guys, like you said, you could really pl- like, pl- plug him in in Charlotte, you know, put him against – put him uh, next to LaMelo. Like that's 
I'm interesting. I, I feel like he's a he's one of those shooting guards. He's gonna like he's gonna be a high uh, free agent. He's gonna be one of those guys that everyone's targeting. But you know, like you said, I want to see him and, and Tatum no, just kind of stick it out. I think I think he, they uh, should. He's gonna stick with. The I hope series. they will. Yeah. Yeah. I so we. So. So we all got faith in Jalen Brown. We know what he brings to the table. And seeing in the NBA Finals, I think, is for the rest of this NBA Finals, is going to be very pivotal for the Celtics as to how far that we are really going to go. And I think another place to look at and a place where we, I think we all um, are the same in is that Steph is the number one and most important player oh, in this series. Easily. Like he, his impact is ridiculous. He's been on the first two games, uh, both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the floor. It really you can't say enough as to how important he's been for the for the Warriors, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. We will yeah. never see a more prolific shooter than Steph Curry, ever. In my opinion, I, I just don't think. I mean, you know, Larry Bird was a it was was. I mean, he was a great like. I, it's really hard to as a Celtics fan to say that Steph Curry is a better shooter than Larry Bird. Oh, but he but is. Like, we've never seen somebody do what Steph Curry. We've yeah. never ever seen him. Never ever seen somebody do it at the clip that he shoots at, uh, the official, just everything. Like I and the, the, the difficulty of shots too. You know, yeah, the difficult. Like he, he's, he's just he is a shot creator through and through. Like he's, yeah, yeah. it's it's he's a shot creator with like it, it just limitless range. You know what I mean? He can, yeah. he can shoot from anywhere. It's just you know we we've heard it for the past. For, for, I honestly, it's been so long. I'm just used to having Curry in that you know that conversation. It's just I can't even yeah. remember when it started, but you know it's, it's 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 been a long time that he's been like the the guy. You know I'm it's, I'm surprised he's never been considered the best in the world mm-hmm. by like LeBron or like you know obviously we have LeBron and Giannis and Curry's the I, you know we Curry's the best shooter. You know we can say that confidently. Curry's he's there, been the best shooter for the longest time, but he's there. Yeah, I think he's somebody, there. I think he's one of those guys that is he's he's that guy. So yeah, it's funny to me because. Like before this series, obviously, you know, the Celtics and Warriors, I think they play like maybe twice throughout the year, every yeah, single year. So I, I would tune in for those games and I'd obviously watch Curry. And not that I was a Warrior fan or not that I was a Curry fan, but like obviously as just a guy that loves basketball, I mean, you just love watching Curry play. So I was always I was always like a Curry fan in the aspect of like I respect his game so much and I think he's like I, like Tori said, a top player. And if you were to say he was the best player in the world at some point, I don't, I wouldn't fight anyone on that. But it's funny now because like the Celtics never played him in the playoffs. Now they're playing him finally in the finals. And I'm looking at it at a whole different perspective. Whenever Curry hits a shot, I'm like, like, are you freaking yeah. kidding me? Like the, some of the craziest shots he's hitting, like I've like, I don't want to hate because obviously I think he's incredible. But like as a Celtics fan, like, I hate watching Curry play when he's playing against the Celtics right now in the finals. But what he's doing is incredible, and I'm excited to see the crazy performances that he puts up these next couple of games. So, yeah, I agree with that. I agree, and I would just say that, you know, as as much as we're complimenting Curry and saying how great he is, he is human, and he mm-hmm. has struggled in the past, especially in key moments. So, I don't know what the Celtics and Ime Udoka have to do as a game plan because the first two games hasn't really worked. And I think there is some type of formula to try and solve Curry. And maybe that gives other players more of an opportunity by taking away Curry. But something I, I believe does need to be done in these next couple of games to switch up the defensive game plan uh, for the for the success of the Celtics. Because if Curry keeps shooting like this and having as, as big of an impact as he as he has, 
Um, this this series, I mean, I think it'll go seven, but if Curry keeps playing this hot, it might not even go seven. Yep. And like to to kind of go off that point, like you talk about um, you know, Curry struggling in games, like don't be fooled and don't think that like he's not listening to people make all those, oh, he doesn't have any finals MVP jokes, oh, he doesn't show up in the playoffs or the finals, like he hears that stuff. So I think although he is a guy that is very decorated when it comes to his accomplishments and he has a bunch of championships, like I think he's got a little fire under him because he wants to get his finals MVP and like kind of like shut everyone up about those types of things that they say. So it's a motivation 100%. for him. So, but yeah, no, I was, I think those are all good players that we talked about. Uh, I'm super excited to watch game three. Uh, I know you guys probably are as well. Hopefully we get a Celtics win. But yeah. Thank you all for listening. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that and uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. Boston three party out. Yeah, Boston, you probably have ghost subtics. <laughs>